This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back. This is Encounter with God. 20 million movement happening right here where 20 million people study the same passage of the Bible at the same time right around the world. And Shelley Poole, who was our interview of the day, has chosen to stay with us. So we're super excited about having uh, Shelley here as a special guest uh, radio host this morning. But before we head into our Bible study, Gemma has another clue for our quiz. I don't have another don't. clue for the quiz because we have a winner. Oh, we have a winner. We congratulations. Have a winner. So congratulations to five-year-old Willow and her mum Eliza from East Gosford who have called in with the correct answer, and the answer is Jonah. Okay, I think this is possibly our youngest ever winner here on Faith FM. Five and I think years this, old. I think this is entirely appropriate because <laughs> the story of Jonah is one of the all-time favourite Bible stories in the Bible for children. It's good. It's a good one. Absolutely. I loved that story when I was five years old. And it was one of those things that really, you know, it just gets your imagination going. Mm. You know, what would it be like to be swallowed, (laughs) partially digested, (laughs) and then spat back out again? But, you know, when it comes to the Assyrians, it's going to take something like this to actually catch their attention. You're going to need to have somebody who has been through this experience and and no doubt has the acid burns as evidence (laughs) of the experience, along with the testimony of uh, certain sailors on certain ships, I'm sure, that all combine to catch their attention. So they actually wake up and listen and obey the message that this guy has. It's an amazing story. It's an incredible story. One of the most successful evangelists ever found anywhere in all of history and um, somebody who got angry at God over his success. Mm. So congratulations, Willow. A copy of The Great Controversy is coming to you. Yes, indeed. Quick reminder this morning before we get into our Bible study that if you are struggling to get a strong signal where you are or if you are getting the delayed broadcast, if it is not Thursday today, in fact, if it is... Uh, Friday when you're listening to this or any other day of the week, then you need to grab the Faith FM app. Simply uh, jump on your phone and go to your app store, type in Faith FM Australia. Make sure you type in Faith FM Australia. Download the app, press play, and you are up and running listening to uh, Perfect Signal right across Australia of the Faith FM broadcast, not missing anything and catching it live. I didn't know we had an app. That's because you've kind of haven't been here much in the last couple of months. This is brand new. It's true. Well, not brand new, but well, it's relatively yeah. new. It's sort of cool. Yeah. We have but an app. Also, I we should get the app. Gemma, <laughs> get the app. Okay, get the right, app. right okay, now. So okay, Gemma's okay, getting right, the app. app, app so, um, She's literally it, downloading it right it's now. It's going to be so easy, okay? Uh-huh. It's going to be uh-huh. so easy. What am I searching for? Faith FM Australia. Australia. That's got the it. one. You want, to, you want the Australian one, not the Oh, hey, look, it's free. Yes, it's free. Of course it's free. It's got some good reviews on here too. Hey, look. Yeah. It's got excellent reviews it's because it's an excellent app. Double. There's all kinds of things you can do on there too. You can find all of our podcasts. You can listen to previous shows. You can uh, make contributions. Um, no, it's, it's, it's amazing. There's a bunch of other things. I can't remember all what's on there. But you can get all of your favorite speakers on there. Um, Downloaded. Good to go. Didn't take long, did it? No, it didn't take long. Oh, this it's, is really it's, cool. It's as simple as just pressing, like, what, three buttons? Yeah. I mean, I don't have buttons because I have an iPhone, but... Yeah, we... Do- yes, you do. <laughs> you have buttons. They're just buttons on the screen. Didn't have to press them to get the app downloaded. You have to touch the buttons. 
You didn't. You weren't using voice commands. You were using your fingers. I was watching. But there's no buttons. It's a screen. It, they're buttons. <laughs> They moving, moving on, M- moving on. Shelly, are they I'm buttons? I'm going to argue. It's on a touch screen, are they buttons? I feel like this is a generational issue that I should not enter into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also okay. just going to point out, I'm going to be reading my Bible through my Bible app on my phone yes. while you're reading from an actual Bible. So I think you're absolutely right. It's a definite generational issue. <laughs> and while I'm squinting at mine, because here, yeah. I can hardly see the words. I could just zoom in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Shelley Singers, you're joining us this morning. Actually, before you read, before I'm going to get you to read a few verses. In fact, Shelley, I'm going to get you to read starting in verse 17. But before we get there, just a bit of background as to where we're up to. Uh, we are in Daniel chapter 5. We have been looking at Belshazzar's feast. We've covered the historical background and the political events surrounding what is taking place here, the reasons why Belshazzar has very strategically chosen to use the uh, the equipment, plates, cups, bowls, vessels, the Bible calls it in some translations, from the temple in Jerusalem on this particular night. So there's a whole bunch of um, political issues that are taking place in the background. One of them, of course, being that Nebuchadnezzar, sorry, Cyrus is camped outside the city walls, laying siege to the city. It's an impenetrable, impenetrable city. They have nothing to fear. He's never going to be able to get in, or so they think. And, um, and, and you know, but also on the inside, you've got the former prime minister who has prophesied that, yes, the Medes and the Persians will conquer the city. And so, you know, Belshazzar really has to do something big here to restore the morale of his troops because the Persian deal um, and the deal that they present to the cities that they conquer is, is so good that. There have been many numbers of cities who have uh, simply said, you know what, we're going to um, just surrender to the Persians. And uh, those kings that have said, no, we're not, have you know, kind of lost their heads and had their heads thrown out over the wall uh, because the Persians offer them a really good deal. Actually? Actually. Like their actual heads just uh, chucked over the... Uh-huh. <sighs> so the people are like, yeah, we can serve the Persians or we can serve this guy. And the Persians have come along and they've done this deal with us. We like their deal better. Wow. And the king has said, no, you're going to fight the Persians. We're going to win this siege. And they've said, actually, we're not going to fight the Persians. Uh, Cut off his head, thrown out over the wall and uh, open the gates. Yuck. And been treated very, very well by the Persians. And this is significant because the Assyrians would never have done that. They would have gone, thanks for cutting his head off. Great. Now we'll come and burn your city. Hmm. Um, but the Persians are like, yep, no, nope, that's great. Um, we will just set up our administration and we will keep moving and you will enjoy. A ver- and, and they do give them a good deal. Wow. Because what the Persians, what the Assyrians who were previous to this were trying to do was to spread so much terror to the next city that the next city would just surrender. That's, what the Persians were, yeah. what the Persians were trying to do, was to spread so much goodwill to the next city that the next city would just surrender. <laughs> Two very different options here. Of how to the take Persians, a city. the Persians did a lot less fighting than the Assyrians. Did they conquer as much though? Like were they conquered methods, an empire. Did their work. They conquered an empire that was about six times larger than the Assyrians. Okay, so they did pretty good. They that's did rather, not, they, they did rather well that's for themselves. They did rather well for themselves. Their empire extended from Pakistan to uh, Turkey down into Babylonia, and eventually went down into Egypt. Um, you think about how many nations there are that's, that's covering that region yeah, right that's, now. That's, a, that's, a, that's heaps. Yes. Now, yeah. They extended north up into the stand countries. I can't remember which ones in particular. I get confused over all the stands. You know the stand countries, right? No. 
Shelly, you know the stand countries? Negatory. Uh, Kazakhstan, Pakistan, oh, Afghanistan, no. okay, right. yep. Turkmenistan. The stands. The stands. The stands. They're just a whole clump yep. of stands. Nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, where were we up to? Oh, okay, so we're, t- we're giving a bit of uh, background of where we're up to. Okay, so uh, Belshazzar is having this feast. Yes. While he's having this feast, defying this God, Yahweh, who has prophesied... Bad things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen for the Babylonian Empire. Um, A hand. Just a hand. Oof. By itself. Oof. No arm. It sounds very much like a horror movie here. Absolutely. Yeah. No body. (laughs) Just a hand. Starts writing on the wall. Like an average normal size human being hand. We don't know the size of it. Oh, that's really weird. We don't know the size. It may have been enormous, or it may have just been human size. I kind of think it was just human size. It would be an extra level of creepy. Mm. <laughs> but this is this is major drama right here. So, um, I think mean, of this, yeah, if I was this, having dinner and then a floating hand appeared, I'd, there'd be some drama. Okay, so Shelley, you're a bit of a scriptwriter. Think of this from a scriptwriter's perspective. No, I'm not. A, I'm not a scriptwriter, but I've I've observed them work, and they they've got. Remarkable but you could skills. you could do something as an artist. You could do with something with this in a movie, couldn't you? Disembodied hands, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You could you could really you could really scare some people. You could have some some viewers who would be watching the movie like, oh, what's going to happen next? Imagine being there, Mm-mm. and it's not a movie. I don't want to. And you don't even need that sinister music in the background. It's oh. actually there, and it's actually happening. The Bible says that Belshazzar wet himself. Yeah, yeah. The joints mm. of his loins mm. were loosed, which is a very Polite. Old English poetic, polite way of saying he was so scared, he lost control of himself. Wow. And eventually, of course, Daniel has to come in and to interpret what this is all about. And that's where we pick up the story because, yeah, Daniel has an interesting attitude towards Belshazzar that we need to note very, very carefully. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. So you've got this former statesman he, who was uh, prime minister of the Babylonian Empire for forty-three years. He's been in, you know, sidelined and retired for um, a, oh, about twenty years now, and he's called back in at the, into the court at this time. And Belshazzar, who is this young guy, this upstart, um, who is, you know, really quite arrogant, begins his conversation with. You know, the former greatest statesman of the world, the grand, the former grand vizier of the Babylonian Empire, by saying, ah, you're that Jewish slave. I've heard of you. Oof. That wasn't very polite, was it? <laughs> he goes straight there, straight to his slavery. Yeah, yeah, you're the Jewish slave. Wow. You know, this With is everything a, else that he's done since then. This is a racial like, slur. Oh. It is a societal slur. It is, yeah. And he's like, okay, I need help with this. Because he really does need help, mm. and Daniel turns around and he says, "He says, okay, I'll do this. I'll make you. I'll make you uh, third ruler in the kingdom, if you can read what it says and you can interpret it. And I'll give you a gold of chain and a purple robe. Yay! Um, Wait, interpret what? We missed a bit. The interpret hand. what the hand wrote on the wall. The hand did a thing. The hand, the hand wrote- did a thing and wrote, wrote words on the wall, and they needed an interpretation." Okay, so let's uh, let's continue on. And Shelley, can you pick up the story for us in verse seventeen, please? 
Daniel answered the king, Keep your gifts or give them to someone else, but I will tell you what the writing means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave you gave sovereign, sovereignty, majesty, glory and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, let's just stop there briefly. He turns around to Belshazzar, and Belshazzar has just offered him the greatest gift that it's possible for Belshazzar to offer him. There's not a whole lot of respect coming from Daniel either, is there? No. And we're going to find out why. But he's like, keep your gifts. Give them to someone else. I don't want them. Sounds like a sledging match. It's a little (laughs) bit like that, isn't it? Okay. But now we find out why. Verse 19. Um, Shelley, if you could keep reading for us there. He made him so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was given from human society. He was given the mind. uh, Sorry, he was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learnt that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. And verse 22. You are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. So Daniel says, Daniel recounts the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. You know, he goes back through it right here. And he says, okay, this is what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And you knew all this. This is Nebuchadnezzar's grandson that we're dealing with right now. And so uh, Belshazzar, when all of this was taking place, you know, he was a young child. He saw it. He is an eyewitness to what happened with Nebuchadnezzar and to Nebuchadnezzar's insanity and an eyewitness to Nebuchadnezzar's restoration and then an eyewitness to uh, Nebuchadnezzar giving his heart to God and publicly proclaiming himself as a follower of Yahweh. And he's like, and Daniel's like, you knew it all, you saw it all. You know, there's there's no greater greatest. You know, a picture speaks a thousand words, doesn't mm. it, Shelley? And he had the picture in vivid living color stretched out over a number of years, right there for him to see. And Daniel's like, you knew all this. You knew everything. And you still didn't learn. And you've still come in here and you've still defied Yahweh, who was the God that Nebuchadnezzar, your father, decided to worship because he is the only real God and the only living God and the only God who is the one who actually gives you know you power. Uh, Shelley, if you could read for us verse 23, please. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have... These cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all, but you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. Okay. All right. Let's, let's, let's cover some historical background here. We'll remind ourselves of a bit of the historical background from yesterday. When the Persians invaded, Nabonidus, who is Belshazzar's father, was unpopular. He's an Assyrian. 
Okay, so he is son-in-law to Nebuchadnezzar. It was a political uh, marriage that uh, where he was married to Nebuchadnezzar's daughter so that there would be an alliance between the remaining Assyrians. Yep. He's unpopular. He doesn't worship Marduk, which is the Babylonian god, and he has been absent from Babylon for 10 years or more. He hasn't been at the annual festival where he needs to take the hands of Marduk and receive the blessing of Marduk over the kingdom. Mm. And the Babylonians are upset with him because of this. Belshazzar has been on the throne and he's young and he's an upstart and he's arrogant and they don't so much like Belshazzar either, but at least he is a blood descendant of Nebuchadnezzar. And he's there. And he's there. And in his father's place, he does go to the temple once a year to take the hands of Marduk. Yeah, he does what he's meant to do, what they expect of him to do. So the Persians invade and the Persians are offering everybody that they come across the Persian deal. And what Nabonidus does to inspire revolt against the Persians, or to inspire his army to stand up that he raises against the Persians, is that he goes through all of the cities of Babylonia and of the region ruled by the Babylonians. He captures all of their gods, takes them to the city of Babylon and holds them hostage there. And basically what he's saying is, we have your gods. He if you don't fight gods hostage. If you don't, if you don't fight for us, we have your gods. We're holding them hostage. Wow! So we will destroy your gods if you don't fight for us. And if we destroy your gods, then your gods are going to get very upset with you, and they're going to destroy you, and they're going to hand you over the Persians. So this was his way of yeah. This is not a very good way of uh, winning friends, and um, it's a it's a great way of getting you know the whole population turned against you. But this was this was his method to try and get the uh, the Babylonian army to fight the Persians when the Persians were coming along and offering offering such a good deal. Mm. And so you can imagine here in this uh, in this festivity that's taking place, there is literally gods of wood and iron and stone and brass and silver and gold from all over the world who have been gathered together, and there is only one god who is missing, and that is Yahweh. Ooh. Yahweh's not there. Mm. And so Belshazzar's like, okay, but Yahweh's not here. What can we do? We don't have a statue of Yahweh. Well, we'll use the stuff from his temple. And Daniel, when he goes into that banquet hall, which is basically a drunken orgy, the first thing that he sees is all of the equipment from the temple in Jerusalem that hasn't been used since he was a kid. And it was previously used in the worship of God. Mm. And now those cups are full of the wine. What kind of wine are they full of? Mm, Here's something cryptic. What kind of wine's in those cups? Any ideas? No. I'm you sure you'll tell me, though. the obvious. I'm sure it's expensive. The like, wine just... of Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Actually, ah. Uh... <laughs> of course there is the wine of Babylon. But what's interesting is that the wine of Babylon comes up in the book of Revelation. I was wondering how you knew the, the, the brand and vintage of it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is Babylon. What else could it be? No, the brand and vintage is the wine of Babylon. So it was a trick question. It was my dad joke for the day, but it does illustrate <laughs> it does illustrate an important point. Okay. So the wine of Babylon is first mentioned here in the Bible. Hmm. It comes up again in the book of Revelation. Tomorrow we're going to look at the connection between the two. When the book of Revelation speaks about the wine of Babylon, what's it actually talking about? And what event is it pointing us towards? That's what we're going to be uh, 
looking at when we uh, come back tomorrow to talk about this. But we've got to finish off this chapter first. There's some really important stuff because we haven't actually read the words that were written on the wall yet. And um, right after this next song, we're going to... Um, we, we, we're going to read those words. But right now, uh, the sensational nightingales with handwriting on the wall. So appropriate. Just look at the handwriting on the wall. You better take heed unless your kingdom will fall. We serve the living God. Haven't you read? He's a God of the living and not of the dead. Just so afraid his knees began to knock when he saw the writing and he knew not what he called the astrologers but not even they could tell the king what the writing did say so the king sent for Daniel the Bible recalls so he could read that writing like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, corruption and pride, but that ain't all, for pride always comes before a great fall, just look at the hand, right on the wall, yes you better. 
by Jesus today Just stop and listen to what he has to say What he says to one, he's saying to all Repent of your sins or your kingdom will fall Welcome back, guys. That was the sensational Nightingales with handwriting on the wall. Spoiling. Yeah, just just sing spoilers for us right there. How dare they? Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting to that bit. We're about to get to that bit. <laughs> they stole your thunder. They stole my thunder. No, they stole the Bible's thunder. I don't have any thunder, but... Um Okay, so we are we have come to the pivotal bit that the story has been building up for. This is the climax right here. The hand has written on the wall. Daniel has come in. Belshazzar has said his piece. Daniel has said his piece, told Belshazzar a few home truths. And it's interesting also that uh, Belshazzar uses Daniel's Jewish name. Nebuchadnezzar always gave him the respect of using his Babylonian name. Uh, Belshazzar is like, no, you're just a Jewish slave. I'll use Daniel. I'll use your Jewish name. Which is, you know, anyway, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, Shelley, you've been reading for us this morning. Why don't you read for us first 24 through 28, please. So God has sent this hand to write this message. This is the message that was written. Meeny, meeny, tekel, and you pass them. This is what the words mean. Meaning means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tikal means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and not measured up. Euphasen means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Okay. There's a couple of interesting things that come out of this. Because what is written on the wall is written is plain for everybody to see. It's written in Chaldean. They can understand that. They can read that. There's no problem for them to read the writing. They just can't understand the interpretation. Because all it says is numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. Now this is language that you're going to find. The uh, you're going to find the Hebrew writers of the Old Testament use on a number of different occasions in you know, previous you know, Isaiah and Jeremiah. This is the kind of language that they would use in describing you know somebody who's been measured is somebody who's been judged, somebody who's been weighed in the balances has been judged. And so when Daniel walks in and because he's a student of the Bible, he instantly recognizes this is biblical language. These are biblical context concepts. I know exactly what this is. You've been numbered. Your days have been numbered. They're over. You're done. Your probation is finished. It's closed. Oof. Yeah, that's a big oof right oof. there. That's, mm. There are very, very few times in history when somebody's probation closes before they die. That's heavy. That's oh. You've got this one, and in this one, it's actually told to him. It's proclaimed to him. Your probation's closed. It's over for you. You're done. Past the point probably, of no return. Probably like another one. You pass the point. It, you can yeah. pass the point of no return, um, or past the point of return. Past the yeah, whatever. Um, 
Probably another example would be King Saul when he goes to the witch in Vendor. He commits the unpardonable sin right there. He's gone too far. Oh yeah, no, but it's not so much publicly. Yeah. It's not so much publicly proclaimed to it's him just kind of as between, what it is here. Yeah, you know, this one is, is is like, yep, it's done. You're over. So numbered, it says, um, tackle, weighed, and then you fasten, which means divided. So numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. Mm. Why the numbered, numbered? Why why repetition? Repetition in the Bible is given for emphasis. Um, so, you know, God is obviously giving an emphasis on uh, the fact that... Bold, you know, highlighted, and underlined. Yeah, that's right. Bold, high, it's, it's kind of like the, the, the modern version of screaming, I There's guess. heaps of different examples in the Bible where God's talking to someone and he uses their name twice, like Abraham, Abraham, or, you know, yep. like he always re- repeats it twice. And a very famous New Testament phrase is truly, truly. That's right, yep. Yep. It's just emphasis. Okay, so you've got that emphasis that comes through right here, but what is interesting is that when... Daniel reads the writing because anybody can read the words. The words on the wall are many, many tekel yifasim. When Daniel reads them, he says, many, many tekel peres. The question is why? Why does he read a word that, why, why does he speak a word that is different from the word that is written? Is it the same meaning? Like it's just another word for the same meaning or it's like a totally different or... They're very, very close words. Okay, so fasten is plural. And so when fasten is written on the wall, it is divided multiple times. Right. So it's going to be divided from you and it's going to be divided again and again and again. Now you can say that it's going to be divided... Uh, you, you can interpret that as it's going to be divided from you and then divided amongst the Medes and the Persians. Yeah. Right, Or you can say it's going to be divided from you amongst the Medes and the Persians, amongst the Greeks, amongst the four Greek nations, uh, amongst the Romans, and then it's going to be divided all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's going to be divided. It's never going to come back together again as you see it right now. Multiple divisions is what is written on the wall. But then when Daniel turns around and he speaks directly to Belshazzar, so now he's speaking to an individual. The writing on the wall is for everyone. But when he addresses the individual, it's singular, divided once. And your kingdom is given to, basically what he's saying, your kingdom is giving to the division, singular. The division was the Medo-Persian Empire, which was a coalition government made up of two nations. So Perez is spoken in context of the Medes and the Persians. Specifically to those nations. Specifically to nations. So you put it in its context because the next word here, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. He's talking about two nations. There's only one division between two nations. This is specifically who your kingdom is going to. Mm. So the words are essentially the same. One word means divided once. One word is divided multiple times. That's right. And he just... Is very specific to when who he talks talking to, to. When he talks to Belshazzar, yeah. he's very specific. When he's talking to you know everybody, that's in, you know, when the writing is talking to everybody that's in the room, it's kind of general. Yeah. But when it comes to Belshazzar, it's very specific where Belshazzar's part of that kingdom is going to end up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. It is. Okay. So he has just been told that he is about to lose his empire. It's over. How do you react when something like that is about to happen? I guess not well. Um, 
maybe he kind of like, well, you know, it's been written, it's been interpreted. Um, I have to show, save some face now. And what does it say in verse 29, please, Shelley? Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes. A gold chain was hung around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Okay, what? so um, Daniel, what? Be- yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's what, what happens. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Way to yeah. end the sledging match. That yeah, sense. that's right. <laughs> um, new prime minister right here. Does Belshazzar really have a choice? I mean... He made the promise, didn't he? Not really, yeah. If he backs out on his word, that's going to look really terrible for him. Do you think Daniel wanted this at this particular point? No. Is it a good thing to be prime minister when a city is conquered? Is that a, is that a positive thing back in the ancient world? Uh, no. No. You'd be high up on the hit list. Very high on the <laughs> hit list. If this was the Assyrians coming through, your head would be head number three. Nabonidus is number one, Belshazzar is number two uh, of most wanted, and number three of most wanted is the Grand Vizier, the Prime Minister. Yeah, no, you don't want that. And so this is the kind of time when you would be wanting to strip yourselves of any kind of... um, anything that signifies any level of entitlement or importance whatsoever at all. This is where you leave. You're this like, is where I you want leave nothing to do with this. And you go this. and dress like a peasant and you sleep like this, like a street person yep. because the you want to live because you want to live. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, so what is happening now as this is taking place? Cyrus the Persian, who is a symbol We've talked about this before, more about it tomorrow, is a symbol of Jesus Christ is entering the city. He is going to destroy the Babylonian government. He's going to replace it with the Persian government and he is going to restore God's people to the promised land. And what is Jesus going to do for us? He's going to destroy Babylon and he's going to restore us to the promised land. But we're going to be talking more about that as we get into our 20 million movement Bible study tomorrow. Well, the Bible tells us about a man who ruled Babylon and all its land. Around the city he built a wall and declared that Babylon would never fall. He had concubines and wives, he called his Babylon paradise. On his throne he drank and ate, but for Belshazzar it was getting late. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His houses were built upon the sand. Well, the people feasted and drank their wine and praised the false gods of his time. All holy things they scorned and mocked, but suddenly all their mocking stopped. For on the wall there appeared a hand, nothing else, there was no man. In blood the hand began to write, and Belshazzar couldn't hide his fright. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His houses were built upon the sand. Well, no one around could understand what was written by the mystic hand. Bell 
Belshazzar tried but couldn't find A man who could give him peace of mind But Daniel the prophet, the man of God He saw the writing on the wall in blood Belshazzar asked him what it said And Daniel turned to the wall and read My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand You're weighed in the balance and found wanting Your houses are built upon the sand You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Breakfast show. Uh, we have our question of the daytime, and we have a really, really, really interesting question to discuss. Shelley, question of the day. What do you got for us? Alrighty. So Genesis one. Yes. Poetry, literal account, or both? Ah, really good question. Nice. So glad you tossed that one in there. All right. So let's think about this for a moment. Um, first of all, poetry, definitely yes. This is a piece of poetry right here, a beautiful piece of poetry describing the origins of our world. The question is, is this describing, say, for instance, seven long periods of time? Did God come to our world and 
kind of like DNA, you know, plant the DNA that has all of the information contained within it to create everything that is here and then stood back and watched everything be created. Because Daniel's got a, a tricky system with numbers where the numbers, the, the days actually mean years. Ah, right? yeah. yeah. Ah. Day for a year. So, so you know, and, and then there's also that statement that says, you know, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. Okay, so the number of different things that you need to note in the Bible. You, there is um, different times that the Bible uses. The Bible uses historic time. Historic time is literal time. It's just as we know it today hasn't changed um, in you know the history of our world. The Bible also uses symbolic time. Um, symbolic time is the day for a year principle, and you find that used particularly in apocalyptic prophecy previous to the return of Jesus Christ. How do you know the difference when you read the Bible, though? Okay, so I'm just, looking at the, I'm just looking at the clock. So let me give you the really short answer. Let me give you the really short answer. Context is going to tell you. When you read about, uh, say, for instance, a, a beast that comes from the sea that has seven heads and ten horns and, and a mouth like a lion and feet like a bear and a body like a leopard, the Bible's giving you some pretty clear context. And the, it's almost like the Bible is screaming out and saying, please take this symbolically. Don't take this literally, because if you ever have seen one of those, um, we will we will get some help for you. Some very friendly people. Um, we'll give you some nice medications. Okay, so the, the context will always tell you when the Bible is speaking symbolically. Okay, so you're looking for symbolic language, language that is obviously and clearly symbolic, and you are looking for um, you know particularly apocalyptic prophecy. Uh, to be able to use the day for a year principle. And when you find yourself in that situation, because the day, day for a year principle is used in many places throughout the Bible, when you find that yourself in that situation, then that's when you apply that principle and that's when it will work. When it comes to um, one day is like a thousand years, that is not giving you a, that's not a defining verse. It's just saying it's like. That's a vague kind of thing. Like, yeah, this is like what it is with the Lord. It's just like a thousand years. It's no big thing. That's not a defining verse. When you have the day for a year principle, it is defined with a number of defining verses. Getting back to Genesis, here is the problem. We have to ask ourselves the question, what is God's means of creation? Is God's means of creation death, agony, and pain? Is that how God created everything on the planet? I hope not. All of your long ages of creation rely on death, agony, and pain as the means of creation. They are the process by which, you know, an evolutionary system takes place. I can see Shelley looking for very, very busily looking for a uh, um, a follow up question. I'm curious. I was, I was just okay. curious about different people's perspective. On yeah, this. yeah. Okay. So there's the first point. Yeah. That we have to ask ourselves the question, is this in God's plan? Is death a part of God's plan? Is, is death something that God uses? Is death not an enemy, but actually God's best friend because it's how he creates us? Mm. That's a problem when you look at the character of God, where the Bible says that death is an enemy and God's character is love. There's another aspect that we need to look at, which is, just as important, I was going to say more important, I'm not going to say that because I think the character of God is just as important as how salvation actually takes place and why we need salvation. Mm. 
The Bible says that death came about as a result of sin. In fact, it's God's way of controlling and finally eradicating the sin problem. So if you take sin out of the equation, you've taken the need for death out of the equation. Yeah, that makes sense. So then, if you go to the long ages and coming from primitive life forms to complex life forms and death being the means by which those complex life forms are created, then only a complex life form has the morality by which they can sin and you have death before sin and you have death creating sin rather than the other way around. Hmm. And if it is death that God uses to create the world, and then it is death that creates sin, you're not serving a God of love, you're serving a God who is a tyrant. Yeah, you have to have sin first before death. Yes. For anything to make Absolutely. sense, because the wages of sin is death. That's right. Yeah. Okay. okay, so then you've got to go back to Genesis chapter 2, and you've got to look for both internal and external evidence for uh, the you know symbolic language. And in Genesis chapter 2, there is zero evidence um, in the Hebrew structure of the language or in the way it is written. Um, it's a chiastic structure. Isn't yes, it? Yep. absolutely. It's a chiastic structure. Um, and there is absolutely zero evidence within those chapters to defend anything other than a historical account. Then you have to ask yourself the question, Does modern science has modern science come up with anything that cannot be explained in a creation model? And it hasn't, but we're out of time. So uh, Shelley's going to have to continue sending questions through <laughs> um, and we will continue answering. But right now we're going to listen to a very appropriate song and Statler Brothers with In the Beginning. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. In the beginning The Lord made the earth The heavens, the hills and the sea Believe in the Lord's holy life. 
You're listening to the Statler Brothers with In the Beginning, so appropriate to what we're talking about. And seeing as we've been having this big on-air and off-air discussion that uh, Shelley has brought to the studio. Hey, Shelley, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so good. I'm sorry for giving you such a hard time. <laughs> never, be, never be sorry. That's what we are here for. And we just want to encourage our listeners out there, you know, call in and give us some challenging questions. Give us a hard time. It's fun. That's right. That's what it's all about. And, of course, we have an open line number here. You can call anytime you want. 1-800-324-843 is our number. But right now, we decided to give away the book Evolution Impossible by Dr. John Ashton, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Can't Explain the Origin of Life on Earth. And so if you would like to have your copy of that book, we've been discussing it with John over the last year or so. And he's going to be coming up with a whole bunch more of uh, interesting topics for us to talk about uh, throughout this year. But if you'd like your copy entirely for free, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. We have uh, one copy going to the first caller through. Uh, okay. Uh, which brings us to the end of our, the end of our show. Oh. And Shelley's sitting here with a finger on a Bible verse that she's <laughs> itching to share. But unfortunately, Shelley, next time. It's the climax of the story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, read the climax of the story. Uh, so uh, this is just after Belshazzar's hung robes around Daniel. Uh, that very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at age 62. Okay, so Shelley just couldn't finish the show without actually having fin- finished the story. <laughs> but anyway, we have now finished the story and we love your company every morning. Please do join us every morning for good Bible study, uh, commentary, interviews, uh, great people like Shelley joining us right here. And don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus.
And every sin is paid And every sin is paid You're listening to Faith FM. It's okay to grow. It's okay to grow. It's okay to scrape your knee on the pavement to rise and fall to try once more. It's okay to grow To learn as you go 
This is Melissa Otto, and you're listening to Faith FM. Awake, awake, O captive daughter, put on your garments of splendor, free yourself from the chains around your neck, shake off your dust, clothes. Yourself in strength. Arise, arise, O glorious sun, and walk no more in the shadow. The Lord your Maker has called you by name. Lift up your head, clothe. Yourself in strength. 